Amen, amen. Well, good morning, Identity Church. You know, one of the things about having a, you know, having a time of blessing, and, and I, I consider whenever we take communion that it is a time of blessing. We get to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. You know, having this particular, um, you know, having, uh, I don't know, there's stuff going on over here. I, I apologize. I'm sort of, I'm all over the place at this point. But, you know, the, taking communion lets us know and see what Jesus did on a day-to-day basis. That what he did in his body and what he did through his blood it gave us opportunities to, to live like Him. And you may go, well, Dusty, can I live like Jesus? The answer is yes. You know, it wasn't just one particular issue that came up and Jesus said, oh, well, you're just never going to be able to get it. You know, Peter used to mess up on a, on a day-to-day basis. In fact, one minute Peter would be sitting there going, you are the Christ. And Jesus would say, the Holy Spirit's telling you this. No man has told you this. And then all of a sudden, Jesus would say, I'm going to have to go and and die for this covenant. And you know what would happen? Peter would go, never, Lord, never. And Jesus would say, get thee behind me, Satan. So he went from being led by the Holy Spirit to being demonically oppressed all in five seconds, right? See, these are the things that we have to understand is that we live a life that has circumstances. Every single one of us has circumstances. Every single one of us lives life. You know, I I love that, that throughout life, everything is about life. We, we intrinsically deal with people on a day-to-day basis based on our life. You know, I was talking to somebody before the service and I said, well, your reality is not my reality. And my reality is not your reality. But that doesn't change our morality and it does not change who we are in Christ Jesus. You may go, well, Dusty, is reality different for pe- different people? The answer is Yes. I'm a cybersecurity engineer. I'm a electrical engineer. I mean, a computer engineer. I've done that for 25 plus years. Okay? Does anybody else in here claim to know what that is? Okay, well, then you don't live that reality. Nor was I an accountant like Margaret, or, you know, I, I mean, I don't run a TV station, or I, you know, I don't work for the Waterworks board or anything else. I don't understand those things. In fact, Al, this week, I had to call him several times. I was like, Al, help me out, man. I don't know plumbing. Can you come out here and help me with our water issue? You know that I need people that their reality understands what their world looks like. That's why God didn't create us all the same. He didn't. He created us with different wants and desires and and purposes. See, if we all were the same, we'd be calling each other and going, hey, can you help me out with this plumbing problem? And the next guy go, nope, let's go call the next guy. Let's go call the next guy. And eventually be like, we just don't have plumbing. Where did it even come from? But see, that's the beauty of reality is that in our reality, we get to bless others with the things that God has put in our heart. 
And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, about the blessings of life. We're going to talk about how we can let the Word of God eulogize us. Man, everybody goes, well, eulogy, we're going to talk about death? Eh, no. But death is as much a part of life as anything else. How many people was born in here? Anybody? Okay, a couple of y'all weren't, and that's okay. But we all are going to live, be born, and we're all going to die unless Jesus comes back. Can I at least get everybody to go amen with that, right? Amen. You know, there's a lot of people that they're trying to bypass death. I knew a guy, and he ran every day. He ate clean every single day, and at 42 years old, he passed away. He had a heart attack, massive. And you're going, well, well, and that bothers a lot of people because, you know, the guy that doesn't run or doesn't eat clean or doesn't do any of these other things, you're like, well, that guy should have died and this guy shouldn't have because he did all the right things. But see, that's not what life is about. See, we live a life either with Christ Jesus or not. And every time we have an issue in our life, just like we talked about last week, a lot of times people think that we're blessed or cursed based upon the things we do. Did we read our Bible this week? Did we pray this week? Did we do the right thing this week? If we didn't and something bad happens to us, well, then you're cursed. Well, the guy that died that was 42 years old that ran and did all these other things, he was no he was no more cursed than anybody else. See, we don't live our lives based on somebody else's reality. We don't live our lives based on other people's circumstances. See, if your circumstance doesn't look like my circumstance, people will go, well, see, I'm blessed in all I do. Well, no. Now, I can make good decisions. I can do good things, but at the end of the day, that's not what blessing and cursing is at all. In fact, how many people, show of hands, if, if it's no hands, we're just going to, everybody's going to leave because I won't have anything to talk about. Show of hands, who wants to know what the blessings are? Half of y'all, that's great. All right, the other half, y'all can go out and get coffee. It'll be great. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about there was two different words that was used in the New Testament for blessed. And this word blessed has to do with who you are or what you are. In fact, Jesus actually, the, the, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, everybody talks about the Sermon on the Mount because it's literally like two chapters of Jesus just teaching. In fact, in, in Mark, uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's really 3. 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is teaching his disciples and the people that were around him about all kinds of things. In fact, this is where we get most of Jesus' teaching is from the Sermon on the Mount. And he goes into a wide swath of a lot of things. He was there for quite some time. And this right here, this word blessed had multiple different meanings. Well, in the Greek for for Matthew chapter 5, it's markarios, and it means to have happiness, content, or euphoria. Now, when the Bible, you know, before the New Testament was created, 
the Romans, they spoke Latin. And Latin's a dead language. Greek and all the other um, you know, languages took over. But Latin, this is where we get the Beatitudes. How, how many people have heard the Beatitudes? Well, it actually was not because blessed has got a B in front of it. That's the way I thought years ago was that blessed is because of that. But in the Latin, it's actually beatitude. And that word, when it was being translated into English, they said, oh, those are the beatitudes. It just looked like the beatitudes. It kind of had the same ring and people coined it. In fact, this term was actually coined before Jesus was actually even born. Cicero, a Roman philosopher in 63 B.C., so about 63 years before Jesus was born, uh, described uh, this word in Latin as a state of blessedness, happiness, or euphoria. And the Greeks had something that was very similar to that that was makarios. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, it said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, you know, if you already have the spirit, so let's just say how many people are saved in here. All right. So if you're not saved, then you're poor in the spirit. You know what Jesus is saying about that? He's saying that if you're poor in the spirit, then guess what? You can get saved and you can have the kingdom of God. It would make you happy. It would, it would give you a sense of euphoria. It would give you a blessedness that you've never had if you were to accept Jesus, if you were to accept God's plan for your life. And in verse 4 it said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now this one right here I kind of used last week for just a second, but blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It doesn't say blessed are those who are mad at God because somebody died and they will be comforted. See, mourning is just, as, is just a part of life. We're going to have people who are going to live, we're going to love them, and they are going to pass on. And see, the thing is, is that Jesus himself is saying, look, this is a part of life. This is a part of the things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. And what we need to understand is that you can have comfort at the end of that, of that death, of that being separated. By the way, mourning doesn't mean just death. It can mean that somebody said, hey, I'm tired of you. I'm moving away from you. I'm never going to see you again. I don't care anything about you. Well, you know, those people, people who have issues like that, they mourn. See, this right here has to do with the, the fact that when we have something that is causing us pain, we shouldn't ask why. Why, Lord, why? You know, I always, always look at the, the Chris Stapleton song, uh, you know, Broken Halos. Uh, I like that part in the song where he says, don't go asking Jesus why. Well, you know Why? Because they belong to the by and by. It means that you're not going to know certain things. I hate to tell you, but there's, there's not always going to be an answer of why. There's going to be times in your life when you're going to say, I don't know. But if we understand who Jesus is and we allow the Spirit of God to comfort us, then we can get beyond ourselves and we can get beyond the things that are happening in our realm and we can realize that there is more life to be had. 
Say, there is more life to be had. That Okay, that sounded like there was more death to be had. All right. Say it again. There is more life to be had. Amen. There is things that are going to cause you to mourn. And if we put our trust in Jesus, he will help us. He will bring us past it. All right, I'm going to move on here kind of quickly. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I mean, we already know in uh, Psalms 37, 10, it says that the meek shall inherit the earth. The, the people who understand that they need righteousness. I need to be in right standing. Everybody goes righteousness is a, well, you know, righteousness is who you are. Well, yes. But you may not know you're righteous. If you've gotten saved, all righteousness means in the Greek is a right standing with God. If you don't know that you have right standing with God through Jesus Christ, then you're going to constantly work to try to figure out what is happening. How many people know that if, you, if you're trying to make somebody like you, that's going to be really hard? It is. I mean, I don't know how many people, you know, either people like me or they don't like me. There's a pretty good dividing line. I can tell you a lot of people who don't like me, right? Amen. I got some amens in the back back there. But this is the thing. We have people in, in, this, in our world that are trying to make people like us or not like us. Well, God says, I want you to know that you're in right standing with me. If you've accepted Jesus, it doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you've done yesterday. It doesn't matter what you're doing right this minute. God says that the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus is what I'm going to label you with. You are in right standing. It's almost like an accounting term. If you go to your bank and they go, you didn't pay your bill, then are you in right standing or not? Well, Jesus came and he paid the bill. And every time Jesus sees you when you've been saved, then guess what happens? He says, you are in right standing. Amen? It says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. That's awesome. Because this means that, okay, in I think it's Matthew chapter 7 where he says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give in your bosom with the same measure that you meet shall be measured to you again. I used to hear people all the time go, that's a tithing scripture. Won't you get your money out? How many people? Everybody, hallelujah, let's get our wallets out. Let's start put, putting stuff in the... No, that's not a giving scripture in the sense of money. That is a giving scripture in I give to you and with the same measure that it meets will be measured back to me again. I don't see how that could be a money scripture when people are saying that it's going to prosper you because it's, going, it's a one for one. I give you something, you give me something. See, this is the thing. If we're merciful, we're going to get mercy back. If we're loving, we're going to get love back. See that press down, shaking together, running over. You need to figure out how to get as much as you can and put it in there and just press it down and just help people to have more and more mercy. Have more and more love. Because if you have more and more love that you're giving to them, guess what? When it comes back to you, they're just going to keep pressing it down and they're going to hand it back to you. 
See, that's the kind of relationships that we need to have with people is that if we give mercy, it's going to come back. We shall obtain that mercy. Verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Man, do you know that our heart is our cardia? It, it is the innermost part of who we are. When we believe with something, in fact, that's what Romans 10, 9 and 10 actually says. When we confess the Lord and we believe it in our heart and say it with our mouth. We believe with our heart. That's a, that's, to me, that's a definition. That's a biblical definition of what the heart is. It's your believer. Say, my heart is my believer. See, when you believe something, it comes from the heart. You know, there's a lot of people, they have a hard time believing something, but they might say it, but they don't really believe it. I have several areas in my life where I'm, I'm having to deal with that too. There's a lot of things that I might go, I, I know it, but I don't know if I believe it. And see, you might go, well, Dusty, does that have anything to do with your salvation? No. No, it has nothing to do with your salvation. You, if you believe in Jesus, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that your heart may believe that's wrong that does not disqualify you from being saved. Man, there should be some shouts. People should be running around. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. But see, this is the problem. We don't sometimes have the right belief system. We'll believe the wrong things and we'll say the wrong things and we'll act upon the wrong things. And see, God is trying to tell us that if we're, if we're pure in heart, we're going to see God do some good stuff. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Do you know that when you bring peace into a situation, people will go, man, that's just like Jesus. That's just like God's son right there. Man, when you go into a situation and you're bringing peace. In fact, I've been in a situation. How many people have been in a situation where it was so contentious, so just uh, so much malice and hate that you go in there and you can feel it? Like nobody's ever even said a word, but you walk in and it's like, Oh my, it got cold and it just felt oppressive. Well, guess what? You can be the peacemaker that goes in there as Jesus would. You can be the one that goes in and takes that, that situation and turns it around. I do it all the time. I go into you know, meetings and things like that for work. And I go into bad, contentious situations for church people too. And there's a lot of times I just bring peace. I'm listening to a whole bunch of Don't stop pointing at people. Okay. Hallelujah. Peace in Jesus name. But see, this is what I want you to understand is that in this situation somebody be peace. No, but I'm telling everybody that when you go into a situation, you can bring the very presence of God. There's people who will actually come in and they will say, God, that, is, that was so peaceful. How did you do that? See, you actually get to be the peacemaker in the situation as Jesus was the peacemaker. Verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
So you know what? If you know you're in right standing and you're being persecuted, you know what? I've got heaven. It doesn't matter what happens on this side of heaven. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I stand in right standing. They can't tell me any different. If somebody comes against me and they tell me that I'm just going to hell, I just go, hey, I stand in the righteousness of God because Jesus paid the price. I didn't do anything. I may have messed up. I may have said the wrong thing to you. Guess what? I'm still in right standing. Now, you know who's going to whip my butt later? The Holy Spirit. I'm going to be told later on and I'm going to have to deal with God. And see, I think sometimes people, they're righteous and they go and they do something wrong and the Holy Spirit's dealing with them. And then guess what happens? They'll sometimes just keep pushing the Holy Spirit away. They just keep pushing the Holy Spirit away. And the Holy Spirit's going, you need to go apologize. You need to be peace in that situation. You need to go do the right things. And you're going, I'm just going to keep pushing it out of the way. But the Holy Spirit constantly is working with us in order for us to have that peacemaker mentality. Amen. I'm not trying to meddle. I know y'all feel like I'm meddling. I'm not. All right. Verse 11, it says, Blessed are you who when you are reviled and persecute you, and say all things of evil against you falsely for my sake. You know that this is one of the things is in verse 12. It says rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See I want you to understand is that Jesus was trying to give people hope. When they felt lost and they were, they were in a bad situation. Jesus was coming. And by the way, Jesus here is not preaching new covenant. This is not new covenant. This is just who we are. See, new covenant was after Jesus died. See, there was still old covenant. People were under the old covenant when he was preaching this. See, Jesus himself was having to take people that was being bound up by a system because the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the people who ran the temple, if you didn't have money and you didn't have a, a place of prominence, then you didn't get your sins forgiven. Because you couldn't afford it. Because you had to pay the temple tax and you had to go buy the, the, you know, the fatted calf or whatever it was that they wanted in order to fix your sin. So there was large swaths of people that they believed that their sins were going to be damning to them. And Jesus was coming back and telling them, look, you can have righteousness and you can be in right standing. It has nothing to do with where you're at in society or how much money you have or whatever. I am coming to bring this to you. Now, this is this past one, the Makarios, the, the Beatitudes. It was about who we are, but this is about what we are. And see, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual, this is a spiritual gift, this is the Spirit of God, has blessed us in heavenly places in Christ. Now, I want you to understand something. Paul here is trying to get to the church that there is a blessing that we get from the Spirit and it's the what. What are we getting when we are blessed? Not who we are, which is what Jesus was trying to get to us. Because Jesus was trying to get us to who we are in Him. 
But see, this right here is what happens in the spirit. This is what happens when we have uh, the the information, the the word of God that's being pumped into us. When we know that the spirit of God is about us and about how he is trying to comfort us. In fact, it says here in verse 4, and it says, Just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. This is the most awesome thing. If you don't get anything else today, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you have become adopted. You know what adoption is? It even happens here in America. You know that my son and my daughter are back there. And right now we can go sign paperwork that says that I disown them. I can do it. I have the ability to do that. But if I went somewhere else and I, I went to, let's say, China or, or you know, a, a third, well, I could even go to next door and there's a, a, a boy or a girl that I could adopt. You know, the moment I sign those papers, I've signed away the ability to actually to, to disown because I signed the paper saying that they are mine. And that I will never disown them. This was the same way for the Jewish folks. In adoption, you could not give away your kid. See, that's the beauty of what God did. God himself created the opportunity for us to have adoption that he couldn't get rid of us. I get some head nods, but this is something that everybody needs to understand is that you've been adopted into the family and this has nothing to do with you and God can't get rid of you because he's already given Jesus for you. Amen? Amen. Verse 6, And to the praise and the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. This means that we are accepted because he made it so. We didn't do anything for it. We couldn't earn it. You know, one of the things about this is that we have to understand that we have benefits. We have things that we're supposed to know about our benefits. If I was adopted into, I mean, I see a bunch of rich people out here. So let's just say y'all, one of y'all adopted me, okay? And now I have access to, I have access to the adoption. Well, you know what? I can't go pull from the benefits until I know about them. If there was a trust fund, let's, I mean, my dad, rich man, he's got a trust fund for me, right? Right, dad? Yeah. <laughs> yep, sure. But I, I'm, I'm going to trust in it, okay? But, but let's just say that this adoption, if, if I knew that there was a trust fund and there was money, but I was poor, and let's say I was hungry, and don't look at my physical and, and y'all start laughing about that, okay? Well, let's just say I'm hungry and I'm like, you know what? I have access to all this money, but I don't know how to get to it because I didn't understand how to gain access to my money. Well, this is the exact same thing that, that these set of scriptures are trying to get you to is that it wants you to understand how to access your blessing. You need to know who you are. 
And because of this, the, the benefits sometimes have later, you know, they're set up for later. I look at like seeds. Do you know that seeds, you plant it in the ground and you don't know that it's actually going to grow into fruit. Or, or if, you, if you were just given seeds, you don't even know what those things are. You plant it and you're like, I don't know, somebody gave me these seeds. They said they didn't know what it was. I planted it in the ground. Maybe it comes up, maybe it doesn't. You plant them in the ground. Months later, they pop up. There's fruit on it. You go, wow, I get to eat the fruit. If it's an apple tree, then man, I get these apples. But all of a sudden, it's jalapenos. They're like, well, I can't eat them like apples. I got to use them for something else. See, seeds are not for today. I don't eat seeds. Well, I might eat sunflower seeds or something like that. But you have to understand that a seed has a determined factor of when you put it in the ground that it grows into something over time. There is seed, time, and harvest. And so our benefit for a seed may not be for today. In fact, you may find out about your blessings and everything and you go, well, I don't need any of that today. And the Lord's going, okay, well then don't go and require anything of it. But know you have that blessing so that when it's time to go eat off the fruit of that thing, that you do so. Amen? Your dignity, oh my gosh. You may, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have these iPhones, right? How many people know that when something, ba- something bad's going on, people turn on the video function? Oh, yeah, I'm watching them. Watch what they do. Thank God they did not have this when I was a teenager. Amen, hallelujah, because that would have been, been devastating. But see, this is what happens is that right now there's people who go, ah, I don't care what my my reputation, my dignity, all the things that come with having a good one actually matters. But guess what? Eventually it matters. Your name, that goes along with your dignity. Do you know that, you know, 20 years ago, my name didn't mean very much. But it means a whole lot more today because over time I grew into something. It means a lot when I go to get a loan for a car. Because that name is tied to a credit score. And that credit score is either good or bad because of the things that I did. But see, God is wanting to restore people's time, their dignity, and their name. Your upbringing. Man, I did not realize that the stuff that my mom and dad did for me and what they taught me and how they did... My grandfather was suspect on some of the things that he taught me, and y'all have heard some of them, like, you know, that men have less ribs than women because Adam's had one of his ribs taken away. All that kind of stuff I have to throw away. But do you know that the upbringing that I had that dad and mom put into me, it gave me a foundation so that I could build something on top of it. You know, if your upbringing is not very good, God can restore your upbringing. See, that's the blessing of God. Is that He can restore your dignity, your name, and He can, uh, and he can change the way you were brought up into something that was better. The Word. You know, when I put the Word in, it doesn't come, it, it doesn't come back void, but it also doesn't come back today. 
Some of the things that I read from the Word, they are there for a purpose and they will come later on in your life. You need to cultivate them and harvest them at the right times. And the Spirit of God, you know what? There are times in my life where the Spirit of God has been there and I've listened to Him and He's kept me out of situations. Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God in His righteousness, the right standingness of the things you're supposed to be doing, and all these things will be added unto you. You know what? We need to be talking to the Holy Spirit about things other than just, Oh Lord, I've gotten into this mess again. We need to be praying about things long before they happen. You know, right now my son's going to college next year. I've been praying and praying and praying because I want, I want to know when good stuff's going to happen and when bad stuff's going to happen. See, we need to be in the Word. We need to be talking to the Holy Spirit about all of the things because it is, it is our belief. I'm sorry, it is our benefit all right, I gave you this, this little thing that says boo. And it says you can't boo a eulogy. Well, you know, if, I was, if, we were, if we had somebody who had passed away and I'm giving a eulogy for them and I'm trying to talk about all the good things they did in their life, people would be like, oh, boo. How many people have been to a funeral like that? Maybe one. I've never been to a funeral where somebody goes, even when they were the most low down, rottenest, sorry son of a gun that you ever meet in your whole life, most people go, yeah, that's a whole lot of lies coming out of that eulogy. But they're not going to go, boo. I mean, most people are going to go, I'm going to at least respect them, okay? But see, that's not what we do about God's word. When God's utilized... Eulogizing us? When we have a eulogy in the word where it tells us about our blessings and we're supposed to be doing that and the Holy Spirit brings that up. Which by the way, anybody says, well, I've never heard the Holy Spirit. Yes, you have. John 10, 3 says that you have. It says that my sheep hear my voice and no other shall they follow. You will hear voices, but you will also hear the Holy Spirit. And what you need to understand about this is that when the Holy Spirit is talking to you about something, he's bringing up things that are good for you. The blessings of God. You know, there's been plenty of times in my life where I was at a place where I was like, I knew the scripture, I knew where to go, I knew what to put into my life, but I was so angry, mad, upset, whatever word you want to use that I was like, I want to have a pity party. I don't care anything about anyone. I just want to sit here and just... just marinate how many people just wanted to marinate in it I want to throw this pity party I want it to be the biggest pity party you ever saw in your life there needs to be a cake I need to just like sit here and eat a whole bucket of ice cream that's the way I should be doing it right I saw a couple of head nods but let me tell you you're not You're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit and you go find those scriptures and you sit there and you start ruminating. That means that you you basically let it just run around in your head. You push out all the other stuff and you let the word just come in and it just overtakes everything. See, the Holy Spirit, if you'll let him, if you won't go, boo, 
Every time the Holy Spirit goes, well, you know the Word says that you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. That He'll supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That you are the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. If you allow the Holy Spirit to eulogize you, you're sitting there, you think it's dead, you think it's the worst thing that's ever happened to you, and now the Holy Spirit's over there going, let me tell you all the good things about what's going to happen to you. See, you don't boo at your own eulogy. You let the Holy Spirit come in and tell you the good things. Don't push Him out. Don't boo Him. But allow Him to do the good things in your life. You know, if I could just listen and just go with the things that God was telling me, man, I'm so much better off. The faster I can get to letting God have His Word, that means that all the outside voices start going away. John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. You have, there's been things said to you. There are things that have been taught to you. And by the way, go read the word. Because if you don't know the word, and I, I, I tell everybody this, go read the Bible all the way through. Go read the Bible all the way through. And you go, well, should I really go read like, you know, Jude and all these others? Yes. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit can use any of the Bible to bring back to your remembrance stuff that you need to know. And if you don't have the word, it's going to be hard for him to do it. Now, you know what? I've seen more than anything is people come up to other believers, which is great. And we should. That's why we have church. I want people to come to church because I want you to be able to come in. And when you don't have something that has been planted in your heart from the word, you can come to me. You can come to one of the other believers and you can say, I'm having this problem. And they can give you the word. They can be led by the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you some good stuff here, guys. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to push you in another direction. I want you to understand that God's Word is true and that it is trying to revolutionize your life. In fact, some of these spiritual blessings, you know, Luke eleven thirteen, 13, and it says, If then we, as a group, being evil know how to good gifts unto our children, how much more should your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? This is, this is a gift. God himself is giving the Holy Spirit to you to be able to use at any time, anywhere. You get to talk with the Holy Spirit. You get to listen to the Holy Spirit. There's sometimes, just like when it says in Psalms, be still and know that I'm God. We need to be still so the Holy Spirit can talk to us. What are some of these spiritual blessings? Well, 2 Timothy tells us that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. How many people are afraid right now? It's okay if you are. But he didn't give you that spirit. He's got another spirit for you called the Holy Spirit, and it's supposed to give you power, love, and a sound mind. That is a promise. Amen. Amen. Galatians 5, and 23, it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. 
You know, I say this all the time. We have these laws. Alabaster right here. You come down the road, it's 35 miles an hour. How many people went over 35 coming in today? Al, I know, Al, Al, Al. The whole back row. Okay, so, and everybody else, if we're being honest, okay, I was probably doing 50 at one point sideways. But this is the thing. You got to understand that when we have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, all of that, those are the gifts, those are the things that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. And that there is no law that can negate it. See, the Spirit works outside the law. See, the law is about the physical. It's about me and you and all of this. Our five senses, what I see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. But see, the Spirit is not that. The Holy Spirit is not a person that has a body. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And see, He has no boundaries. He can go anywhere. He created the whole heavens and earth. And it says here in Romans 8, 11, you know, why do we need these things? And it says, but if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he raised up Christ from the dead, uh, that the dead shall be quickened. This word right here means to revitalize, restore, and make alive. It means if you feel like that you are not alive, if you don't feel like good things are happening to you, the Spirit of God Himself that raised Jesus from the dead is there to make you revitalized and to bring you back. You know, there's a lot of times in my life where I don't feel very vital. You know, that word can be used in a lot of different ways. Sometimes I don't feel vital in my job. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm worthy of a lot of different things. But then I get with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit shows me what my purpose is. And then I, I'm re-energized to do the things. Even when people say, Dusty, you really stink at this. Okay, I'm going to get better, but I know I'm supposed to be doing it. Say, I know I'm supposed to be doing it. There are things that you know you're supposed to be doing and you're not good at it right now. But God is continually revitalizing you. He's helping to bring it about in your life. He's trying to quicken you. And it says right here that your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwells in you. Do you know that we have the Holy Spirit when we've accepted Jesus on the inside of us that he is in there and he's trying to get it out of your mind, will, and emotions. That's what your soul is. My mind, the things that I actually take in when I read the word or if I'm on YouTube all night long, TikTok, oh, I want to learn that dance. Whatever it is, if you are doing it and it's not the word, then guess what? You're going to be putting that in. That's not going to be revitalizing you. But when you put the word in, when you put preaching and teaching in. See, a lot of times people go, well, I don't need to li come listen to Dusty. I don't need to listen to Dusty and all the things that he's having to say. I can go listen to the word. Well, you know what? I'm being led by the Holy Ghost. And I, I can tell you the way I see things in the word and being led by the Holy Ghost. Well, guess what? I listen to other ministers that I know are being led by the Holy Ghost. I listen to them all the time. Because I want to hear from the Holy Spirit in a different way. Because we're not all the same. I see things and then the Holy Spirit will show me things through other people. That's why we're supposed to be together. That's why we're supposed to be the body of Christ. Guess what? 
if I'm the eye and you're the mouth or the nose, well, guess what? If I got the eye out here and he can't smell that the chicken's gotten here. I know everybody in here is going, the chicken is here, Dusty. Start shutting this thing down. And I get it. Believe me, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And then it's chicken time, okay? But see, if I'm the eye and you're the nose, you're telling me the chicken's here, but I'm going, I still see that there's things that we're supposed to be doing. So I, I believe in the chicken, man, I do. But it says right here, it says that, that we will be quickened, we will be revitalized. And then I'm going to give you some good news and I'm going to close this sucker out. I hope this has been good. Everybody's gotten something out of it. I hope so. See, one of the things about being blessed is, is that whether it's who we are or it's what we are, it really needs to, to fall into this, that we can be reimagined. We can be reformed by the Holy Spirit in all of our ways. You know, I love that I love that God himself gave us plenty of opportunities in his word to see things different ways. In Romans 10, 14 through 17, it says, how then shall they call? It means like, hey, if I called you on the phone, let's just say that Charlie's in the front here and it's like, Charlie's got something I need. Let's just say, let's just say I need something like a, Let's just say it's a hammer. I don't have a hammer. But Charlie has a hammer at the house. But I know nothing about Charlie's hammer. Well, then this is exactly the same thing. It says, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? See, we don't even know sometimes. We need people to tell us. That's why the gospel is so important. We need people telling the gospel we need people telling about jesus people just don't walk up and just fall over the bible and it, and it flips over to john three sixteen, and they go whoa i got jesus doesn't happen that way i'm sorry i wish it did it would be easier i mean it's a lot easier when you got people who don't believe and you're talking to them and they're like well i don't know if i believe sometimes i plant seed in people who are telling me they don't believe and i go hey i'm just Planting seed. Because eventually the seed's going to grow. Because I believe every seed I plant doesn't return void. So when it goes into their heart, they may not believe today, but their heart is being cultivated, that the seed is being put in. And guess what? Eventually it grows and then they go and find things. I, I had a guy that worked with me years ago and he was agnostic. And, you know, working in the, uh, you know, electrical industry, you got all these engineers they are told all kinds of junk about, you know, God and about, you know, evolution and everything else. And we were sitting there one day at lunch at Mr. Wang's. By the way, I do some of my best ministry eating Chinese food. But I was eating at Mr. Wang's with this guy. And I go and I plant a seed of Jesus in him. And he was like not having it. And I said, this seed's going in you and I don't believe that it's going to return void. And guess what happened? Twenty years later this was like 1997 20 years later 2017 i get a call from him and he goes man i just i just felt like i needed to call you because of what you did 20 years ago and i went huh what happened 20 years ago 
I was eating Chinese food. I mean, after a little bit, I was just like, I just got to eat the Chinese food, right? But I go into, I, I let him tell me what happened. And he said, I listened to what you said and I didn't believe it. But every time something happened, I heard your voice. And I said, well, it wasn't my voice. I said, you might have heard it as my voice, but it was the Holy Spirit. And that seed was being planted and it was growing and it was growing and it was growing. And then he said, well, you know what happened? I went and I got saved about five years ago. And I've been a part of a church group and my family's in church and everything's going great. And I was, I was like, that's amazing. That's awesome. Praise God. But see, seeds take time. And see, blessings take time because for you to get to that euphoric, hey, I've gotten over it moments, you need to get to the point of understanding who you are in Christ Jesus. And so you got to sometimes hear. And how shall we hear without a preacher? Oh, man, we need to be preached to those dang preachers. All right. Verse 15, it says, how shall they preach unless they are sent? You know, one of the things I love about this is the fact that we're about to find out that I've got beautiful feet. Because it says, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of, of good things. Do I have beautiful feet? You've seen them. No! What? I, don't make the word a liar, okay? But this means that I, as I'll go, as I walk, and by the way, as you walk, because you're preachers too, you're preachers of the gospel, the ministers of reconciliation, as you're going, your feet are awesome because you are carrying with you the peace of God. You are carrying with you the gospel. And guess what happens? People are glad to see you coming after they've gotten it. But they have not, in verse 16 it says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17, this one right here, you should always remember this one. It says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to know how to grow your faith, if you want to know how to make it effectual in your life, then you need to hear the word of God. You need to understand that the good news, the things that are being taught to you, the word itself, let the Holy Spirit teach you these things. Because if you let the Holy Spirit teach you, then your faith is just going to keep growing. And it's just going to get more and more. You know, I look at faith... You know, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says, Now abideth, it means I live in it. Now abideth faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That word greatest means first. When I put love into my heart, when, I, when I'm allowing God to love me, then I have a hope that passes all of my understanding. Man, I'm just hopeful. And I shouldn't be hopeful because of my circumstances. But when I have God loving on me, then what else is going to happen? But the hope. So when hope comes, then you start building your faith. Because now when the word comes, I just start accepting it. See, accepting the word brings us to a place of our faith. And you won't have that unless you have love and hope that is the foundational part of everything that you believe.
with every head bowed and every eye closed. And I'm not going to call anybody up, but if anybody in here has not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to raise your hand if you would like to accept Him today. I see that hand. I want everybody to say this prayer with me. We're going to all accept Jesus, okay? Father, we've heard your word and we believe that Jesus is Lord. And Father, we put our faith in Jesus. And now we accept him as our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you said that simple prayer, then you've, you've been saved. If you've been saved, then you are now part of the family. And if you're a part of the family, then you now have benefits. Father, I pray over each and every person that's in here that, that as they are going through their day and their week, Father, that you're just helping them to see that the blessings of God, that the Holy Spirit, that He is bringing about the love and the joy and the peace, the long-suffering, the goodness, the gentleness, the meekness, the faith, that, Father, that they have it in their life and that the Holy Spirit is just undergirding that and helping them to understand when to use it, how to use it, Help them to grow faster, Father. Help there to be more fruit. Help them to be able to give that fruit to others so that they can plant seeds. I thank you, Father, that for every fruit that is being produced, there's multiple seeds and that they can go and plant that in other people's hearts. And Father, we just pray that you're bringing people across their path that they can be blessings to, that they can give to, that they can bring peace into their lives. Father, we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And I pray over this food and this time of fellowship. I pray that over the food that we're about to receive. May it nourish our bodies. We ask you sanctified. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. You're dismissed to go eat chicken. Please leave me some. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down here at the front. Y'all have a great day.